All right. Welcome into the sports book on 760 WJR for crying out loud. I know what you're thinking. Why are they starting the show with Rocky Top? What what's happening? Well, if you're a regular listener of this here program, by the way, thank you very much to our friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort, as always. Uh, Blake is controlling the jukebox. He's got all the quarters over there. And uh, he had a stunning degenerate-style wager come through. Props to me. And you know what, Blake? When you're in the right... You're in the right. And you indeed took the Tennessee Volunteers to upend the Crimson Tide. I did. I did. I was very, very, very happy. It was a good day. Uh, did you have any action on both goalposts being carried out and taken <laughs> to the river? I did not. I a, wish I would have parlayed that. And then did you have any action on uh, Tennessee actually opening up a fund to help Replace the goalpost, which what a move, you know. And so far, sixty grand, I think it's brought in. Yeah, I'm not donating any of my winnings personally. <laughs> I didn't think you would, uh, folks. We are in full effect here. Lots to unpack as usual on this edition of the sports book. But without further delay, uh, let me introduce you to my co-host, the one, the only, Jamie Admins. Hey there! I did not have Tennessee winning, so kudos, Blake. Thank you. I are you gonna that. Are you gonna make any contributions for the goalposts? Well, isn't this like a major university? Why do you need a GoFundMe? You know, when you read the story, and Nick Roddy, who is our esteemed producer, he's here too. Hi, Nicholas. Uh, I think it was kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, they were serious about raising money. Now, I don't know what the going rate. For goalposts are, I would imagine, you know, it's not like you go to, you know, goalposts are us and cut a deal. Ace hardware. Whatever the case may be. But again, this, and it was kind of like linked to the history. Well, until this 52-49 win over the Tide, uh, spotty at best, first win in 15 years. But, you know, like it was like $16, which represents, you know, the last time they won, uh, you know, uh, a $1,900 donation got you something, and that was because one, I thought it was a joke. But when you've raised sixty grand, they have now raised over $150,000. Well, then the goalposts are paid for. You would I have think to think. They should donate the money to charity that they've raised. They have the money to buy goalposts. You would think, James. You would think, and that's a great idea. And maybe... You know what? Now that you mention it, I'd be stunned if they didn't do that. So the story says goalposts cost between ten and twenty thousand dollars each, but a university spokesperson said that following the on-field celebration, there were uh, additional repairs needed to the field. And you saw there's pictures of fans digging out piles of of turf or grass from the field and taking it with them. Checkerboard end zone. Yeah, they were tearing up the checkerboard. All right, but listen, you just had, we'll just call it what it is, probably the biggest win in school history. Tennessee is a proud program. They've had some other big wins along the way, but this was pretty much it. So you've got the handout to help pay for whatever damage there was in this 
amazing celebration. I think it's also like a, I don't quote me on this, but I think it's a $25,000 fine for them rushing the field alone from the SEC. Well, whatever the case may be. Still. Uh, congratulations, Blake. You won Thank a couple you. of bucks. I appreciate that. And you're holding on to it. They're not getting <laughs> oh, any yeah. of your dough. No, none of it. Uh, <laughs> Jane, what's happening? Um, Not much. Still in baby heaven and enjoying getting able to get back here to this radio show. Uh, big, big day yesterday. Uh, Olivia James, your beautiful daughter. Uh, you and Ryan had the uh, baptism. Uh, folks in from all over the place. Yours from Pittsburgh. Right. Yep. Um, it was a beautiful day. Um, I thought her outfit was on point, and she was blessed by God, so we're good. You betcha. Uh, you forwarded me a photo of you, Ryan, and uh, Olivia, and uh, that's what it's all about, my friend. No doubt about that. But can I ask you this? Because yes. if I was given a dollar for every time somebody's asked me, um, Olivia James, uh is, is there a family significance to James? Uh, I, I don't know, but I'll ask. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think I like boy names for girls. I think that's just something fun. And I thought I would honor my dad by naming her middle name Wonderful. after him. Wonderful. All right. That is the uh, answer to the question. Uh, meanwhile, uh, lots of great college football locally here over the weekend, like Take East Lansing, for example. Uh, you know the deal. Uh, Spartans, in a rough way, having lost four straight. Uh, the 106th homecoming on the banks of the Red Cedar. The Wisconsin Badgers in town. Uh, Wisconsin up 14-7 at the half. And uh, Michigan State, the last thing they could afford with bowl eligibility on the line and whatnot was another L. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, Peyton Thorne throws that 27-yard strike to Jaden Reed in the second overtime. Sparty wins it. 34-28 in front of 72,526 at the woodshed. Uh, Nick, we were there for the uh, tailgate show because that's what we do. An amazing environment. It, it didn't feel like there was on a four-game losing streak. I mean, prior to the game, the fans were, uh, they came out in full force. Uh, they were excited for homecoming, and uh, thankfully the team delivered on the field with one of their best performances of the season. I'll tell you what, being on the sideline uh, and being – Right in the thick of that celebration, uh, it was something to behold. And uh, there was a lot of pride uh, from the Spartans. Um, was it a national championship? No. But you stopped the bleeding and did what you had to do. And I think a lot of that, James, had to do with the marquee players stepping up. Uh, Peyton Thorne, 21-28, uh, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Jaden Reed, uh, he had a game as well. Uh, he, uh, let's see here, uh, 117 yards in receptions to go along with the one score. He also had that brilliant 25-yard uh, touchdown pass uh, in regulation, and it was uh, a sight to behold. I mean, great timing. They needed to stop the bleeding on homecoming. And you're right, the stars stepped up. A healthy Jaden Reed makes a difference. Nine catches, that's what he has to do every game. And having Xavier Henderson back, also a big deal. And you could tell the difference. Well, and Jacoby Whitman, uh, he was the Jacoby Whitman that we saw in the first two games. He is a disruptor. Uh, he had 11 tackles. Uh, he led the Spartan defense, not to mention causing both turnovers. He had his first career interception in the first quarter, forced that fumble on Wisconsin's second possession of overtime 
so you get the win. And, you know, again, here's why it was so important. Uh, they are fighting for their bowl lives right now. Not to mention, you're going into a bye week. You did not, under any circumstances, uh, want to go into the bye week having lost five straight with Michigan on the horizon. So it was a big win. Yeah, and thank God they finally got home to the quarterback. Three sacks. That's what they have to do. Well, and, uh, you know, the 25-yard touchdown pass, I might have misspoke, uh, was actually in OT. Uh, Keon Coleman, five receptions, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. But the fact of the matter is uh, the Spartan defense had been gouged uh, during this funk. You know, 500 yards here. Of course, they give up 600 uh, total to Ohio State. This is what was very important. They hold Wisconsin to 283 yards of offense, and the defense able to get off the field. Wisconsin a mere 4 of 12 in third down conversions. So there's that. Yeah, all of that is really important, stuff they hadn't been doing in that losing streak. And it does make a difference to feel slightly better when we have to talk about Michigan, Michigan State for two weeks. (laughs) And uh, they are now on the clock. Uh, But you know what? You got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Michigan, uh, then number five in the land, had the showdown at the big house with number 10 Penn State. Michigan wins it going away, 41-17. You know, had the opportunity to form a relationship with the late, great Bo Schembechler. Obviously, this guy loved, loved running the ball. What we're seeing from this Michigan team right now, Jamie, is Bo Schembechler on steroids. Uh, this this performance that the Wolverines have got going on uh, with the ground game, they finished with 418 yards rushing, 7.6 yards per carry, and this was against a Penn State defense who was one of the tops in the country stopping the run, uh, fewer than 80 yards per game. It's legit. It is. At 100%. And, you know, everyone knows about Blake Corum. Could he have a Heisman season? Maybe. But how about Donovan Edwards? Two touchdowns of his own. It's a two-headed monster. I, I just think that they are really good on the ground. Yeah, Edwards, 173 yards on the ground. Corum doing what he does. 166 yards, two touchdowns on 28 carries. So, you know, you, you, you're thinking, all right, we've got two weeks till the backyard brawl. Uh, probably based on the importance of marquee noon matchups, a noon kick. But no, we find out that for just the second time, it will be played under the lights in Ann Arbor. 7.30 is the kick time on the 29th. Let me just say this. The people watching is going to be extraordinary. <laughs> that is a lot of time to cocktail. Uh, and, you know, the way, way too early weather forecast for that day, partly sunny and 60. Can, can oh, you imagine? Goodness. That is going to be one heck of a party. So, and also, like I said, we're going to be talking about this ad nauseum for two weeks, two weeks plus seven hours. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, interesting because obviously from my perspective, bit biased, um, I would imagine, uh, Nick, what do you set the line at as we're having this? Chat, well, I was just going to ask you, I, I know the line. I was going to ask both of you what you think the line will be. Did they just set it? They said it earlier today, and it might it might vary depending on the source. Uh, you know what? In 2020, the pandemic year, uh, we went into Ann Arbor a three-touchdown underdog. Uh, last year, 
I think we were a double-digit underdog. Um, I would say Michigan laying between 12 and 15. Jamie? I was going to say 14. <laughs> well, you'd both be wrong. It's right now at eight and a half. Really? Yes. For now. Well, they're, they're, neither of them were playing a game before then, so I don't see it's going to move that much. I, I think it could get up to probably 10, but I, I was I was also surprised it opened at 8.5. Well, you know what? They're probably uh, understanding now because the realism is Mel Tucker is 2-0 and o against Michigan. That's As just an a fact. And, uh, you know, it was crazy. You know, that game in 2020 in Ann Arbor, the pandemic in full effect. There was nobody there. And I spent a goodly amount of time at the big house, and it was about as surreal as it gets. Nobody there. It was and, so weird. There were some parents in the stands, but that's it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, come up with the upset, and it was, uh, it was big. Uh, that was Mel Tucker's first year. Then last year, uh, we're down 16 in the third quarter. And uh, it was a very hard-hitting game, standing right there. I mean, it was something, and able to come up with the win. So, uh, you know what? All bets are off. Uh, this is truly uh, one of the great robberies. Now, I don't care if anybody wants to give it the, the uh, credit that it deserves, but it is uh, something to behold. There's no question about it. I love it. I just think it's great. Every single year, there's some storyline that comes out from both sides. It's just so fun. Uh, the Paul Bunyan Trophy, uh, once again, up for grabs. And you know what? I don't think that the uh, the Paul Bunyan Trophy would ever win like a uh, a rivalry. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's just clunky. It's it's bulky. It's uh, not very attractive. But guess what? It is the Paul Bunyan Trophy, and uh, each school wants it desperately. It's been residing in East Lansing quite a bit lately, so we'll see what goes down. But you're right. Uh, the uh, two-week countdown is officially underway. So there's that. Uh, Red Wings off to a uh, wonderful start. We'll talk about that. Pistons getting their regular season underway Wednesday. And, of course, we all lead up to the Monday night tilt once again It comes to us from the AFC West with uh, the San Diego Chargers playing host to those Denver Broncos. We'll we'll find out how the degenerate's going to go on that as we continue with the sportsbook here on 760 WJR. All right, as we uh, do this radio thing, uh, your Detroit Red Wings at Little Caesars Arena playing host to the Los Angeles Kings. And here's the deal. It is uh, up and down. Adam Ernie lighting the lamp for your Red Wings. 426 into the period. Uh, wings up one nothing, And then 19 seconds later, Gabriel Velarde uh, gets the equalizer for the Kings. Got to say, uh, I enjoyed uh, taking in the regular season opener Friday night uh, when the Red Wings were hosting Le Habitant du Marreal. Uh, Red Wings get the win. Interesting, though, Jamie. Uh, watching the player introductions, it seemed like everybody was making their Red Wings debut. 12 new faces on this team. Yeah, first of all, I want to say I just love that the Red Wings do that red carpet thing. I think that's so cool to start the season. 
But yeah, there's a lot of new faces, a lot of new names on jerseys this year, but they're already starting to show, you know, why Steve Eisenman brought them in. I mean, Ole Mata has a goal to assist, you know, uh, Kubalik, you know, these guys are already delivering. I found it fascinating. Uh, this Elmer Soderblom, uh, the dude is six uh, eight. Uh, he uh, centers a line with six six Michael Rasmussen and six three Oscar Sundquist. And as it turns out, uh, they are uh, on the score sheet uh, already. It's uh, rather unbelievable. But there is bad news as it applies to the Red Wings. That is, Tyler Bertuzzi is out four to six weeks. A uh, little opportunity probably for Philippe Zadina. Uh, Dylan Larkin going into the tilt tonight, setting the pace. A couple of games played, a goal and three assists. Michael Rasmus in a goal and two assists. And the aforementioned Elmer Soderblom, uh, he's got a goal. But what I found fascinating uh, with his 6'8 frame, he's got the, the magical touch and the ability to be a finesse guy. And I want to compare him uh, to uh, Red Wings of yesteryear. But, man, for a guy with his size, very creative. Yeah, I mean, what is he, seven feet with skates on? I also like his story. Sixth round pick in 2019, and he outplayed Zadina to get on the roster. So he obviously has the will. He has the want. His parents were watching in that first game, and he scores. I mean, that's storybook. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So hopefully they can uh, keep it going. By the way, the uh, quote from Zadina, it's an opportunity and I'll try to do my best and I'll try to play hockey the way I did during preseason and camp. You read in between the lines there, there's a guy that was very disappointed to be a healthy scratch. I'll just go and prove that I am a good player. I just have to keep the positivity I had during the preseason. Nothing really changes for me. I just want to be the best player on the ice. So... That's the thing in sport, Jamie. Uh, injury leads to opportunity for somebody else. So we'll see what he's got. Yeah, I mean, they've wanted Philip Zadina to turn into what they thought that he would be for years. And he has many, many opportunities and hasn't stepped up. Maybe this is the time. We'll see. Well, when you take a look uh, at what first-year head coach Derek Lalonde, uh, the blueprint that he had instilled going into this season – not much of a secret. The Red Wings scored 227 goals last season. They allowed 310. Uh, that's an 83-goal differential. And in our conversations with Derek Lalonde leading up to the regular season, he said, look, we've got to be better defensively, uh, got to take better care of the puck, and that's everybody across the board. If you're not going to play defense, it doesn't sound from what Derek Lalonde was saying via Steve Eisenman, you're not going to see a lot of ice time. Yeah, you have to play both sides. Like, you just can't be, you know, an offensive scorer. That's not the way they want to play this year. And they certainly want to play fast as well. So you better get back. Even if the puck's deep, you got to get back. All right, Red Wings-Kings still tied one apiece. 10:46 left in the first period at Little Caesars Arena. Uh, meanwhile, your Detroit Pistons getting their regular season underway. That's going to be Wednesday night. 7 o'clock start, they get the Orlando Magic at Little Caesars Arena. And I know we've talked about this on the show in the past, James, but I think expectations and the excitement level uh, for this Pistons team is probably as high as it's been in quite some time. 
Yeah, and I, there's a league-wide survey talking about what teams, you know, have the highest upside. The Pistons are in that conversation. Kate Cunningham could have a breakout season. He he could. Well, put on uh, 10 pounds of muscle during the offseason, uh, looking for big things from him. But when you take a look at this Pistons roster, it is so very young, with the exception of Bojan Bogdanovic, who really uh, brings it down a little bit at 33 years of age. Uh, but you look at Jaden Ivey and uh, watched him a little bit uh, during the preseason. Uh, I, I think he's going to fit right in. He's got to uh, slow down, and Dwayne Casey says as much that sometimes he goes a little bit too fast for his own good. Uh, but you, you take a look at 18-year-old Jalen Duran. Uh, what's the expectations on him? 18 years old in the NBA. Uh, I'd like to see him have a sandwich or two, put on a little weight, uh, because he's listed as uh, 6'10", 250, but he looks a little bit more wiry than that. Um, Yeah, he's huge. It looks like a grown man. I remember when they debuted him at the park in Detroit. We were there for the story. But you were talking about injury creating opportunity. Without Marvin Bagley, with that sprained MCL, here comes Duran and Stewart, of course. But here's an opportunity for young Duran. Uh, Nick, you're a basketball guy. Uh, realistically, uh, your expectations for this Pistons team. Is there an outside chance? And there's not a whole lot of NBA publications that are saying that the Pistons are a legitimate postseason team. Your thoughts? I think they should make a run for the play-in. I think they need to be competitive to the play-in. Now, I'm not going to say they need to make the playoffs this season, but, I mean, they hate – obviously, you guys are talking about they have the talent. And now they just need to grow into their roles and, and figure out the NBA game. It's a lot different from Jaden Ivey playing at Purdue. But I, I think they should be competitive to uh, at least compete for the play-in games. Uh, earlier, uh, Dwayne Casey on Mitch's show, and Dwayne Casey saying that the Magic are in a similar situation uh, to the Pistons as far as the youth of the roster. And we were talking, Nick, uh, before the program started that uh, – it's kind of like U of M South down there, is it not? Yeah, they got uh, Franz Wagner um, had a, a big season for them last year. I think he was a rookie last year, but I think they've still got his brother Mo Wagner, the Iggy Brzezikas down there, um, and now he's not a Wolverine. But uh, Gary was Gary Harris there? I think he's left, but I mean they've they have a lot of oh no he's still there. Gary he Harris sure is the former Orlando. Spartan. Yeah, they've got a lot of local ties. So that'll and then, of be course, a, number one overall pick in uh, Paolo Bancaro from Duke. Yeah, so we'll see uh, how it goes. But very exciting. Uh, Dwayne Casey and the Pistons getting her going uh, at Little Caesars Arena, 7 o'clock Wednesday night. All right, more to discuss with you as we continue with the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. As always, thank you very much to Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort for making this radio show possible. Much appreciated. I think I speak for everyone when I say that. Um Lions with a bye yesterday. Uh, they are 1-4. and four. Uh, They will be in Dallas on Sunday to face the uh, Cowboys, who uh, took gas in Philly last night. We'll discuss that in the moments ahead. Uh, some other NFL news and notes. And, of course, the Monday night tilt coming up from the AFC West. The Broncos at 2-3 and three on the road to face the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They're 3-2. and two. Uh, Baseball-wise, James, uh, the Stanks hosting the Guardians. Winner go home. It is delayed. 
There's a little, little weather situation there. Isn't it so fun to have baseball be mean something in October? <laughs> What's ti- that like? I know what you're saying between the lines. The Tigers are going to get there. Meaningful games in October would be a good thing. And hopefully with uh, Scott Harris in control, uh, we'll be talking about the Tigers in the postseason in the not-too-distant future. But uh, this baseball postseason already has produced some bombshells. The Los Angeles Dodgers win 111 games uh, during the regular season, and they fall hard to their arch-rival San Diego Padres. And, uh, Nikki, we were talking during the break. Uh, I know there's a lot of Dodgers fans upset because of the way that the postseason series that they fell in, uh, the way it's formatted. But if you win, you don't have a problem with that five-game series. Yeah, the Dodgers had 111 wins, 22 games better than the Padres, and they're done in the matter of five games. So I, I kind of get the Dodgers' gripe. I mean, you finish that much better than your opponent, and you could be gone in a week. But yeah, like you said, you got to win. So I, I don't know why it's not a best of seven. I mean, it's only it could only take a couple more days. And I, well, you know, with with weather being what it is, and you got to delay here or whatnot. Uh, you know, baseball's got to have the season wrapped up before November. Well, you then have get, to then get rid of the best of three in the wild card. I mean, they just extended the season that long just a couple of years ago by adding, adding all these wild card teams. Well, there's going to be a new World Series champion because the Braves are uh, shown the door by the Philadelphia Phillies. And, uh, you know, the Guardians uh, could have took care of business last night and eliminated the Stanks. You'd hate to see that, huh? But I think that, you know, the way that the thing is formatted is is fine unless your team loses. Then right. it's, not, it's not like it was a three-game series or a play-in or something. They had a five-game series, which is substantial. Right. So, you know, you got to take care of business. Uh, 111 wins in the regular season. Hey, congratulations. Way to go. But, you know, there's still baseball to be played. I don't have a problem with the five-game series. I find it to be maybe even a little bit more exciting. Like this game tonight, game five. 2-2. Here we go. I think it's fun. I think baseball plays entirely too many games. I've been saying this forever. 162 is just so many games, and then you get into this postseason. So, to me, they should play fewer games. Well, you know, then uh, you're talking about uh, where's the uh, revenue loss going to come from because it's been on the table, you know, in conversation for a long time. 162 games is a long, long time. Um, But do they go to a 150-game schedule? All right, where's the extra revenue come from? Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, we'd have to do the research. The Tigers, when they won it in 1968, I think that season was over like October 5th or something like that. It was extremely early. Yeah, that's the other thing. They're playing baseball so late into the season. Again, uh, the Yankees and Guardians in a rain delay. Nick, uh, they're saying maybe a couple hours worth? Yeah, this is according to TBS. Um, They are looking at one to two hours worth of rain. Um, that, That should be starting right about now in New York. And after that, there will be pockets of rain, but they should be able to play the game through. Um, there will be another meeting set to uh, determine when they're going to restart the game in about five minutes. Well, if they're getting what we're getting here, it is the furthest thing from base- baseball weather you could possibly imagine. So uh, we will certainly keep you posted if they uh, get play going there in the Bronx with the uh, Stanks and Guardians. Meanwhile, uh, there's so much to talk about as far as the national football league goes. Um your Steelers, James, 
Your family uh, all in town here, by the way, uh, for the baptism of Olivia. Uh, but the Steelers get a nice 20-18 to 18 win over Tom Brady and the Bucks. What do you think of that? Yeah, I did not see that coming. Uh, maybe it was because Tom Brady went to a wedding over the weekend. You know, and this is uh, what we're going to incorporate into the conversation. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, 25 of 40, 243 yards, had the uh, touchdown, a uh, rating of 87.8. But shortly before uh, halftime, he unloads on the big uglies, unloads on his offensive line with an F-bomb-filled uh, deal. You don't want to do that. That's something I know for a fact. You do not. I don't care if you're Tom Brady, Johnny Unitas, uh, whoever. Going off on the offensive line like he did did not leave a good impression with those fellas. I guarantee you that. I feel like there's something brewing because if it's coming out that, you know, how much time he's taking off and is he getting preferential treatment or whatever, there must be something going on. You know, they might not like him and he's acting like a diva. He was at Robert Kraft's wedding on Friday. Right. Bill Belichick didn't even go to the wedding because he had a game to prepare for. And he took like 11 days off, you know, before. I just, I don't know. Here's the It doesn't seem like he's 100% in. So it's like, why did you come back? Well, this is just my take. He should have retired when he made the announcement. I have absolutely uh, no reservation saying that. I think it's going to cost him his marriage. Uh, I think that has been well documented. And that's another thing. You're 45 years old. You retire. You unretire. And look, Tom and his wife, Giselle, they're the only ones that really know what the story is. But there's been more that's come out because apparently Giselle wanted him to retire a few years ago. And How about when you won the Super Bowl? Do it then. It would have been the ideal way to exit the stage. Right. So when he unretires this time around, the lady said enough is enough. You've put football in front of family for the last time. So now, again, you've got that to deal with. As a 45-year-old, you're undressing your offensive line in front of everybody, and right now you're a 3-3 three and three football team. And he just does not seem like the regular Tom Brady. Eight pass touchdowns, eight touchdown passes, which is the fewest through the first six games since 2013. Well, meanwhile, uh, a guy we've discussed on this program, Mitch Trubisky, uh, I guess I guess he's the hero in the Steel City. 9-12, 144 yards, a touchdown, uh, rating of 142.4 in relief of Kenny Pickett. Uh, that young man goes down with a concussion uh, after throwing for 67 yards and a TD. Uh, are you looking at Mitch Trubisky in a different light? I was going to say, hold the phone on the hero of Pittsburgh because <laughs> everyone's tweeting now, maybe Mason Rudolph gets the start next week. Really? Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see uh, you know, the path that this uh, Tom Brady you know, thing goes. Because look, you know, I don't care what you do for a living. If you're going through a traumatic experience like a divorce, it's going to weigh on you. And especially if you're in the public eye, like Tom Brady and Giselle have been, and you've got uh, this rumor coming out and that rumor coming out. And, you know, I don't see 
how this season for N for 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 Tom Brady has a happy ending. I just don't. It just feels like too much negativity surrounding him right now. And like I just said, that stat, he's not playing that well right now. We'll have to wait and see. But I mean, do you I think what, do you think that collection of big uglies as he is uh, dropping F-bomb after F-bomb on him, do you think any of them are thinking, hey, 12, um, you were at a wedding Friday night, weren't you? I mean, we were getting our game phases on and. You know, right, we you were are... doing the walkthrough, and you were at the um, open bar. We're just letting Robert Kraft get away with a fall wedding, though. That's ridiculous. <laughs> also true. <laughs> you would think that there's a guy, you know. The last guy that should be having a fall wedding. You know, I don't know. It's football season. Maybe he forgot it was football season. I, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, let's start there. And then, you, you know, Tom Brady wasn't going to say no. Maybe Tom Brady's to the point where it's like, what do I have to lose? Well, a lot of single ladies had a wedding, probably. Well, you know, <laughs> sometimes I mean, during Robert the dollar Kraft. dance, anything can happen. <laughs> Robert Kraft doesn't seem to be that dialed in if he plans his wedding in the fall. It's ridiculous. Disgusting. And I read, uh, if it was correct, it was kind of the spur of the moment thing for Robert Kraft. I don't I don't know if he was planning this. I, I certainly got the impression that it wasn't planned for like a year. He probably had to hurry up before she changed her mind. Right, because I mean, she's like 40 years she's younger She's a lot, than him. yes, very young. Wow. Well, you know what? We'll see. I, I, I just don't. Uh, he should have left. He just should have left. We should uh, mark these words, though, because never bet against Tom Brady, and I, I won't, so. I mean, this Tom Brady, yeah, with everything he's got going on, betting against. <laughs> I'm with Steve. I just don't see this Buccaneers team putting it together because they're dealing with this too. That's part of the. You don't problem. think he's ever yelled at his offensive line before? Not publicly, dude. Not like uh... that. Not in an expletive-filled rant. And being a former offensive lineman. Doesn't go over well. Not in that form, not that publicly, where everybody and their grandma could see. So, I know, look, he's Tom Brady, and he cut him some slack. Do you think those uh, offensive linemen, after it was over, said, eh, you know, he's Tom Brady? No, I know exactly what they were thinking. And they were having some expletives of their own. Uh, the Lions off to a 1-4 and four start. Only the sixth time in the last 25 years that the franchise has gone one and four in its first five games. First time since 2011. How have they fared uh, in recent years when they started one and four? Here's how they finished 2010, six and 10. 2009, two and 14. 2003, five and 11. 2002, three and 13. Are you picking up a trend? 1998, five and 11. Historically, after the one and four start, and we can be as optimistic as we possibly can, Jamie, but historically, as I just rattled off, not good. No, but six and 10 would be an improvement from last year. Indeed, it would be. Um, let me, uh, all right, Blake's telling me we got a break. We'll come back, take a look at the uh, Lions schedule. Where are the W's going to come from? and also preview the um, AFC West Monday night 
ball game tonight. Denver and the Chargers in the City of Angels. That and more coming up as we continue with the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. All right. Uh, Dan Campbell said, yeah, the bye week came at a great time. Uh, expect a uh, crisper and healthier Lions team. Uh, their next game, by the way, going to be in Dallas against the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys take gas in Philadelphia last night. Um, you had Cooper Rush, who has been the toast of the NFL, the pride of Central Michigan. I think he's uh, 5-0 and as a starter uh, going back to last year through three picks last uh, night. Um, and you've got Dak Prescott saying that he is targeting the Lions game as his triumphant return. He's missed the last five ball games with a fractured thumb. It's always the way it goes for Lions, huh? <laughs> what better time for him to come back than against the Lions? All right. Now, the Monday night matchup uh, is this. The Broncos, you talk about a disappointment. They are 2-3. and three. They will be in the City of Angels to face the Chargers. They are 3-2. and two. And uh, Russell Wilson, who has been, let's just say it, he's been a colossal and very expensive bust so far. He apparently is dealing with a strand, a strain latissimus dorsi muscle. Anybody know where that is? Of course he is. I don't, yeah, let's pretend. That is near his throwing shoulder. Uh, he injured it uh, two weeks ago at Vegas. These two teams, by the way, have alternated wins and losses over their past four games with the home team victorious in every meeting. Um, you've got the Chargers uh, favored by four here. Uh, James, I think I'm up one right now because you won last week. Yeah, I. what's the line? Uh, Chargers laying four. Oh, you just said that. Um, I think the Chargers with Justin Herbert, they're on the upswing. They won their last two games. I think they cover that. All right. So you're going to take, uh, you're going to lay four to the Broncos. Yes. All right. I'll take Denver. I don't see why not. Uh, Russell Wilson, he's got to perform in true Russell Wilson fashion sooner rather than later. Don't you agree, Nick, for crying out loud? I don't think true Russell Wilson's coming back. I think this is what he is. Well, the dude needs four touchdown passes to join the Hall of Famer Peyton Manning, 333, as the only players with 300 or more touchdown passes in their first 11 NFL seasons. So, you know what? Somebody make sure they get that note to him so he uh, plays with a little bit more conviction, huh? They didn't even have a touchdown in their last game. <laughs> no, uh, you know, there's Nathaniel Hackett. I, is he going to fall in the category that we are oh so familiar with here in Detroit? Because Hackett was a hell of an offensive coordinator, came with a lot of high regard from Green Bay, right? And then we had Marty Morningwig, one of the great offensive minds, from a coordinator standpoint, the game's known in recent time. We had uh, Rod Marinelli, one of the great defensive minds, uh, would go on to a, a great coordinator career after he left Detroit. Uh, who else was there? Schwartz, a great defensive coordinator, a lot of success in the league. Head coach, not so much. Nathaniel Hackett, I think, has lost I'm not going to say the team because I'm not around it, but certainly the fan base in Denver wondering what the hell this guy's doing more times than not. Yeah. When you lose the fan base, what comes next? The firing. Because it's a win-now league. I think he's gone. Now more so than ever. As a matter of fact, as another example of that, James, there was a thread earlier uh, this week 
or was it late last week, top five replacements for Dan Campbell. <laughs> right. Right. The too early, you know, list of who to replace him. And people are certainly going after him, you know, with how quickly turnarounds have happened with new coaches in other cities. Well, look at what Salah's doing uh, with the Jets. Yeah, the hometown guy. Um, yeah, and, you know, they go into Lambeau and get a win over the uh, pack. And here's the thing on the pack, quickly, because I know we're just about gone. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, does he look like Aaron Rodgers right now? And is it injury or is it I just don't care anymore? He does not, but I'll tell you when he will, when he plays the Lions in three weeks, four weeks. Well, wouldn't be the uh, first time something like that happened. Uh, but I, I think you get to the point. We talked about Brady earlier, and you can throw Aaron Rodgers into the same thing. You've been doing it so very well for so very long. Do you do you eventually get to a point where it's like, mm, you know what, if we win, great. If not, okay. Because his body uh, language yesterday was, was not good. I don't know if it's – if they care or not that they win. I just think if you start the season, then you, you care as he's, a competitor your whole life. He's never had good body language. True enough. I think and good. if he had it his way, he'd be hosting Jeopardy right now. Uh, Blake, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nick. Jane, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to WJR.